0: When my friends Jessica and Eric first told me how much they love chocolate, I never imagined their love for chocolate would motivate them to actually open up their own shop. But that's exactly what they did. Unlike other chocolate makers claiming to be organic, Eric and Jessica make their chocolate starting with the simplest of ingredients, 80% dark cacao. That's it. That's their chocolate. 80% cacao. Unapologetically dark. Every step of the chocolate making process is done by them in-house, from cleaning Roasting, shell removal, refining, and formulation. Their supply of sustainable sourcing of single-origin cacao beans are naturally grown in the jungles of Central and South America by farms that practice fair labor. That means there is no slave labor involved and farmers get paid to make a good living wage. Their shop is located in Idawa, California, and shipped throughout the country. Go to ElBuenCacao.co to see their selection of chocolate bars, assorted boxes, and drinks. Can't go without your monthly chocolate fix? No worries. Sign up for their monthly cacao club. So what are you waiting for? Go to their website now. That's ElBuenCacao.co
1: This is the Honor Segovia Show.
0: Welcome to the Andres Segovia Show. I'm your host, Andres Segovia. Today is not real estate, and it's not anything business-related, uh, and not even health-related. It's more artistic and hopefully fun. And I'm looking forward to having this great conversation with the artist of the Splat Rabbit. The, I, I don't know if there's a team behind it, but we're going to find out today. BZ, by all means, please introduce yourself to my audience who may not have heard of you.
1: Hey there, guys. I am BZ Tollinger. I draw Splat Rabbit, the uh, comic on Instagram. You can check that out at splat.rabbit.art. It's a gag a day style comic strip. We talk about uh, things that are going on in the world. Um, We talk about, you know, following God. And we also talk, we just kind of have fun with uh, cartooning hijinks that you don't see a lot in TV anymore. And, Mm. you know, we have a lot of fun, but we talk about the real at the same time. That's what we do with Splat Rabbit.
0: Gotcha. And for those of you that are watching and not attending to the to the podcast, uh, that avatar, as yes, there is, it is the title character, Splat Rabbit. Uh, and I, the first thing I, I noticed when I saw Splat Rabbit, there were influences of Looney Tunes, at least the classic Looney Tunes, to it. Uh, am I right in that assessment?
1: Oh yes, you're you're definitely right. I I wear my influences on my sleeve a lot of time. My art, <laughs> Looney Tunes, is a big one for me. Uh, just. Classic gags um, and smart ones, too. You know, the more literature you read, the more you kind of know about, you know, Hollywood and film and books and stuff, the more you can see those references being uh, played out on screen. And it's just something really nice to see, something that I want to, you know, kind of keep moving forward in my work as well.
0: Yeah. Uh, and I actually did did catch that uh, when you dropped a teaser for the. Um the continuation of the the Chronicles after you wrapped up your, your 100th episode. And it was, um, I think you call it the girl, is it? Uh, that, was, yes. that was crying and it was in the background. It's like, I've seen for that sure. meme before somewhere. And then you actually <laughs> just opposed it to the, the other slide. Like, ah, there it is. It was a Spongebob. Thing.
1: <laughs> right. That was my little brother. And Spongebob is another one of my big inspirations. Uh, my little brother sent me that screen cap and was like, for some reason, this frame of Spongebob just really reminded me of Splat Rabbit. And I was like, you know what? That could be the girl crying and splitting the picture, so we're going to run with that. And then from there, I was like, you know, because I'm kind of in a mode where I just want to really, like, plaster the the idea of the comic everywhere and do a lot of different creative things with that. So I've been enamored with uh, how just how great a clip you can make in the Instagram reel builder if you just sit down and save clips and, you know, re-upload them and get them situated and everything like that. And so that's mm. when I made the uh, comic cover video using that image and just, mm. uh, you know, to promote the the comic and send that around and make it kind of fun for everybody because, you know, I want to keep making creative because that's the main thing, you know, I feel like um, people who of, are of a more conservative ilk, they just, they don't embrace creativity like they should. And and meanwhile, the left like is the king of the arts. So you end up getting a lot of bad messaging, a lot of poisonous messaging from them through art that we are not being very active on. You have a few people stepping up, you know, you have places like, you know, Angel Studios with The Chosen and a couple other, you know, good music producers and everything like that, that are making good work. But on the whole, you know, people that are more conservative in nature, more Christian in nature, that for some reason, creativity just leaves the door. But I think that, you know, the creator of all would want us to, you know, stray further, you know, to go further, to create. And, you know, we're one of the few creatures that actually have that ability to create. So we should use that, you know, with our work.
0: Yeah, it's an awesome point. And I will definitely circle back to that one. Um, But I want to keep the train moving here because is that, when did you, did you have, when did you see the need and to fill it? Like you see a need, fill a need. It's like, uh, cause it's one thing to be inspired by animation. It's like, Oh, I, I could draw that too. A lot right. of us grow up drawing things. Like I drew Spider-Man, I drew Bugs Bunny and all that. But what inspired you to actually contribute uh, to make your own and then choosing what you wanted to say with your art?
1: Well, for the longest time, you know, my, my concentration was pop art. Cause I've always been kind of enamored by that world, you know, and, Modern pop art is basically just people taking already popular imagery, popular characters specifically, and putting their own spin with them, whether it's their own unique style or an aesthetic they put on things. Um, and so I kind of come from that world and wanted to do stuff kind of like that. Um, but then after I really came to Christ and really began to kind of fall down the uh, alt-right pipeline, as they as they say, I, um, I kind of st- stepped away from art. And was really, you know, kind of more hell bent on getting the literature and reading the Bible and praying and like getting that side of me together. So when I came back to the scene to make art, it was to go back into that pop art field, you know, just kind of more revived, revitalized, you know, with a clear state of mind, a better, more defined worldview. But as I began to go back into it, I was like, you know what? You wanted to be, you know, as a kid, I kind of wanted to, you know, help to influence people and bring people to Christ anyway. Um, Of course, it was not on the best terms, but that was always a thing that was kind of in me. I think maybe uh, something that God may have put within me, you know, to continue this this trail. I just needed time to kind of mature and get my thoughts in order first. And so with that being said, I began to uh, do the Splat Rabbit comic. And from there, that's where really pushing a more biblical centered worldview uh, began to really come into my work and what I'm trying to build out and build into more. Cause I, I want to do more with that angle than anything. Uh,
0: so splat rabbit, tell us about splat rabbit.
1: So splat rabbit is a blue gray desert hare. Yes. He does have a specific breed of a uh, rabbit type uh, figure. He is, uh, he is a desert hare and um, he's called Splat because his body is like slime. He can use it to transform into anything, whether that's a fish, a plump ripe Bible story uh, telling tomato, whatever he needs to be for the situation he can be. Um And so basically he lives in this town, Silentville, and Silentville is like your typical uh, liberal city. They, you know, a lot of them just want to get by and are just going with the social mores of the time. Some of them have harsher intentions, such as the girl who is just like super um, pro pro choice is constantly spewing evil, atheistic, feministic, whatever the current thing is, you know, she's supporting it. And, um, you know, she just gets under Splat's, you know, tries to get under Splat's skin, tries to expose him, tries to one-up him a little bit. But Splat just, you know, he doesn't care. And then about midway through our current run, we decided to really, like, play into that Looney Tune element and started giving Splat dynamite and stuff to use. And that's what um, resulted in the creation of the Blammer, his, like, his uh, fire-powered hammer that he uses to uh, defeat the girl in Comic 100, which we just uh, had not too long ago and um so yeah splat rabbit just basically exists to stand against uh leftist opinion uh, satanic opinion antichrist opinion um, and we have a cast of characters that kind of help him along with that. We have Rudy Wood Duck, who is kind of like your um, your typical barstool conservative bro, but him and Splat are friends. Splat's trying to basically get him on the right path, and for the most part, Rudy agrees with what Splat has to say, but when it comes to beer and babes, I mean, he's just not having it. He wants to indulge. And then you have the newest character, Bear, who's like the muscle of the group, Who it's a bear that Splat found while on sabbatical in the woods. After he created the blammer, he was like, I gotta get some peace from God, so he went out to the woods to kind of like you know get that peace and on the way he meets a bear and he teaches the bear about god and now the god uh the bear wants to uh be a disciple too so now you have Mm -hmm. these three um in the woods you know trying to spread the love of god to whoever they can meet whether that's camper whether that's more animals you know we have a lot of ground to cover you know we're kind of in a new uh season of the comics so um a lot of that stuff is being built out as we speak
0: and when you say "we," does that mean there's a team behind you too?
1: Um, I, I when I say "we," I'm referring to me and the Holy Ghost. because there's no team. <laughs> it's, just, it, it's just me. It's that's just what me. Right that's not
0: what the team, right? No, that's not the team. Because uh, that means you're. Uh, well, this is it's digital art. I'm assuming, but uh, yes, uh, I'm assuming you're the penciler, the color, the illustrator, all, all all in one. So that means everything. The, the final product from beginning to end, from this from the script or the storyboarding, if you will. Uh, that's all you.
1: This is true. Yes, I get, you know, the Holy Spirit, you know, all glory to Christ. Um, I get ideas from them. I sometimes out of nowhere, like I'm not even thinking of a certain subject and these things will pop up. And I just know that's the Holy Spirit, you know, helping the work, giving me a word for the people. But, yeah, um, I usually start with an idea that goes to the sketchbook. I draw it in a sketchbook. It comes up as sketches that I sometimes post. And then I'll uh, take a picture of it, put it into procreate. And in Procreate, we render them, uh, get the line work done, then color it out, add the wording, the lettering, and everything like that. Uh, get it formatted for uh, different sharing options, and then we put it on out there.
0: Nice, nice. And it, um, because uh, I'm familiar with Scott Adams' work, does Dilbert, uh, he sometimes hammers out his, uh, his comics panels, sometimes even months in advance. Uh, at least used to when when he was really had the the white heat and was really working on it um it's what your process sounds a lot more tedious uh than his did because a lot of it's like just outlines of a character not colored and, and all that um so how long is the process and uh how many panels ahead of time do you do or or is it literally you create of the contents that comes out that week just the week before
1: uh I could tell you it it's it sometimes goes down to the day um oh, man at, at my most at my most prepared I'll have like a whole bunch of comics done ahead of time, like for example, on the lead up to comic number one hundred, I had pretty much all ten of those the from number ninety to number one hundred already sketched and drawn and ready, and so from there it was just a process of waking up um getting the stuff inked and rendered out digitally and then putting it out there um when it comes to a time where maybe i don't have a theme or i am looking around the internet for news and stuff to kind of spoof or you know whatever i can do um that's when the process takes a little bit longer because i'm i'm over here trying to actually actively think about it and then i have to then draw it out and everything like that but typically if from start to finish um uh, let's say on one of those lazier days i guess one of those less motivated days um it'll probably take me around about five hours, start to finish. If I just hunker down and boom, that's what I'm going to do uh, for the moment to get it all done from idea to final render.
0: Mm. Yeah. I, I know what it's like to come down to the wire, like, uh, cause I'm a content producer myself. So um, I had it where it's like, okay, the episode I have planned to go up. Cause I produce an episode for every single Monday. Um, this past summer is the first time I just took a hiatus because uh, I was having uh, my my wife was having our, our fourth child, and there was a big move wow, that was Lord happening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's the story of it itself. Uh, that uh, I'm gonna share about soon. I've shared a little bit here and there, but not everybody knows uh, the entirety of the story. And um, that's what kind of threw a lot of things out into a loop because when I came back, uh, the series that I was working on before I had the the a hiatus because uh, baby showed up a little sooner than, than uh, he was impatient. He wanted to show up sooner rather than later. So I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Um, but the thing is, I was working on a on a Save California series because I'm, I'm based out in SoCal. And um, I had uh, uh, the vice president of communications from the Howard Jervis Taxpayers Association on and I announced that this was the first in a series of videos I'm going to do. Uh, and because of what went down during the hiatus, because there was uh, one weekend for the 4th of July weekend uh, we were welcoming our newborn the following weekend, we were in the intensive care unit. So it's like, okay, this is not how I expected anything to go. So for uh, I didn't want to open up about any of it. But when I did, um, the outpour support was amazing. Uh, you know, it's amazing when they say, well, oh, we'll lift you up through prayer. Um, it, it really, I all of us felt lifted uh, through prayer and all that. And it was amazing. So uh, I, I was giving um, more or less daily updates about that. So when I came back, um, I felt that I needed to kind of change the, the schedule a bit. So I put up a poll and I asked, hey, uh, I'm doing a California series, safe California series, fixed California series. Uh, how many of you prefer that I continue that or focus on, on health things? So like nutrition, fitness, mental health, and all that. Uh, everybody yeah. said a shift to health. And the overwhelming number one was um, mental health. So, okay. So that's the episode I haven't done yet. And I'm running out of time for the safe California stuff because the election is coming up. But, um, that's all to say sometimes, because these, there's a wrench thrown into the system. It's like, I don't have an episode to go up. So what I've done, um, especially in preparing preparation for hiatus, um, I create clips of my episodes. I'm like, wait, why am I just going to throw out an entirely long, a lengthy interview that most people are not going to probably tune in, but I, they'll probably tune into a, a clip of that episode and be inspired to tune into the full thing. So I started doing that. And right now I, I have about seven to eight clips that I've just been sitting there for weeks, just waiting for like, okay, I couldn't post a new episode this past Monday for the show because the schedule changed at the last minute. I'm like, it's okay because I had a whole other episode that no one's ever seen before in the public that I was going to put up. And I did. And that one's getting a lot of traction. It's, so I, I, as content creators, people don't know how what it means to come down to the wire. But uh, sometimes they, I even hammer it out. It's like, you know what? I'm just gonna go do live. So I just turn on the camera. It's like, yo, here's a live episode. So yep. it's it, it's dirty because it doesn't have all the flashy stuff. Sometimes, but I'm like, hey, you came here for the contents. Not for the glamour, so it's okay.
1: Exactly, yeah, yeah. Just watch the Late Show if you want to get the glitzy, glammy, you know, fakeness. You know, we 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 reel out here. We're actually yeah, trying exactly. to make a product, you know.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I I really like uh, how far um you you've come along in you know, in telling your story. I I think I tuned in uh because you and I were both on the Trevor Report for for a special podcast um episode. And that's where you and I met. Uh, and I'm like, dude, I want to talk to this guy on my show uh, about what what he does too. And I think oh, you might have been on around a panel or, or comic like seventy five to eighty. So then that I, I started, about right. Yeah, because uh, you were introducing Bear around uh, somewhere around there. And yeah. that's that storyline was really good, by the way.
1: <laughs> thank you, thank you, I appreciate cause, it. Because it, it happens Glory without God.
0: spoiling for people. I'm not going to spoil for people, but uh, I, I it happens with new converts. <laughs> 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 like the first, it's like it's them like trying to get out of their comfort zone, right? And then feeding are the, the, antagonizing me. No, 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 no. I feel challenged. I gotta be. I gotta rise greater than that. And then when they come to realize, now it's like, yeah, let's go. It's Like, no, that's not what uh, Christ called us to do. Um, put your sword down. <laughs> you know, it's, right. like, like, <laughs> uh, it's like calm down. You know, it's uh, it, so. Um, it, seriously, those things just. Uh, I really like that storyline and, and how far and how far it's come to to where you reached because um, it, even though it's animated. Uh, I I do like that there's a lot more um, to it in it in that some people might find things relatable. uh, The thing about animation, I suppose, is that you can tell a story, uh, I guess, exaggerated, but Mm -hmm. that does tend to be the case um, with, I guess, um, uh, with us. Sometimes we we might take uh, an event a lot more emotional than others, but we might not express it, but you can do that through animation where someone clicks, like, yeah, that's kind of how I felt. So, that's, I think that's what I got a lot about the bear. It's like, yeah, at first he looked docile, then next, you know, the next panel is like, like all on your face. (laughs) It's like, like, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that, that I can relate to the bear, because I think the bear is me in attitude. (laughs) So, yeah, uh, when the, like, what kicked off the bear? Did you run into somebody or that just came like a spur of inspiration? Like, you know, I'm going to create this one character. Not that you run into somebody and you're like, okay, I'm going to make a character out of you.
1: <laughs> well, it, it, it depends. Like, you know, with in, in the case of the girl and Rudy, there definitely were archetypes that I was trying to hit on the head. You know, obviously mm-hmm. angry feminist, barstool conservative, that sort of thing. Uh, The Bear is a unique situation where really I just wrote the initial gag with him. And I think the very first comic that it was, was Splat was explaining how wonderful the woods were, how much he loved it, how much he's being reminded of God's invisible glory being revealed through his creation, everything like that. But the whole time he's kind of dangling in a weird position. And you're like, why is Splat like hanging up like that? And then just before he sets up the gag, he's like, yeah, there's one thing about living out in the woods that I don't like. And it zooms out. And he's in the mouth. He's like hanging out of the mouth of this bear. And he's like, Yeah, I don't like (laughs) bears too much and everything like that. And so it was that initial gag. And it was just a random bear that I drew. And then I was like, The more that we begin to kind of play into it, I mean, he's in the woods anyway. And then I followed it up with the comic where the bear is like, razzing again, like roaring in his face doing the typical bear thing and splat pops him in the mouth and it's like hey shut that shit up bro and then he's like you know so from there it was like i think they have an understanding let's let's keep going with this and so eventually splat was like let me let me sit the bear down let me show him the woods and how beautiful things yeah. are and let me tell him about god and then the bear's yeah. like who's god and it's like whoa hey like but yeah that was yeah. The, that was the big thing with bear it was a it was a random kind of a random moment that ended up kind of being like a, a happy accident now he's kind of like a, a character that people love to see and like i'm kind of grateful that it kind of played out the way it did
0: yeah did you expect that kind of reception because it seemed like the overwhelming majority just like really embraced the character they loved yeah his art. no
1: i mean they they were all about it and you know anytime you create something and the people are into it, then you want to embellish that more. So now the mission is going to be to make sure that these characters, uh, keep a harmonious balance to them. That's one thing, you know, with this whole creation process that I've been able to, uh, kind of push myself on is I I used to be so impatient when it came to projects. If I would put something out to my friend group, my family or whatever, and they weren't just clamoring for more, then I'd kind of put it away and be like, well, that's a failure, and I'd, I'd go on to something else. But this one, I told myself, no, we're going to get through it. We're going to put it out there. We're going to move a little differently while we put it out there, which I think that's led to a lot of the uh, consistency and the um, the sharing and tagging collaborations that have happened because, you know, it's like these, these people that you think are so famous and so big, like they're actually pretty reachable. And so you just kind of have to have that bravery and you have to have that instinct to want to go out and reach out to people because that's the name of the game you know it's the internet of people so use that those people and so um just uh to be able to create and put stuff out there and people embrace it it's just it's a tremendous blessing you know like i said all glory to god for everything that has come of the strip because without me without him there'd be nothing you know
0: yeah yeah absolutely uh, and, and that's why I was curious, because uh, I, I, I can't really tell because of the, the, the boom arm. But right here is my, where I reserve anything for Batman. And it's my favorite Batman graphic novel, The Long Halloween. So that was written by Jeff Loeb um, and the artist Tim Sell, who recently passed away young, too, uh, for, for what he did. He, he passed away young, unfortunately. Yeah. But that it's, some people don't really grasp what uh they look down upon works like these and they're like, oh that's just for kids. I, I know my my my, my in laws who because I married um, my wife Taiwanese and my in-laws are in Taiwan. So to them that kind of stuff was always like that, that's that's really kiddish stuff. Uh so when they came over and spent the the summer because they were welcoming their the newest grandchild um they well to pass the time put movies on. But if I told them I was going to play a Batman movie, they wouldn't watch it. So then I just popped in the, the Blu-ray for Batman Begins. I let it play out. And then when Batman shows up, wait, this is a Batman movie? <laughs> so like, Yeah, it's all from these things. <laughs> so, so like, this, it's all derived from this. Like, oh, my gosh, this is really good. So they went to watching the trilogy. They absolutely loved it.
1: That's a, um, that's a, an amazing set of movies.
0: Yeah. Amazing Unfortunately... Set of movies. They couldn't enjoy The Dark Knight because uh, historically, The Dark Knight, because uh, China had its issues against it, they banned the movie from China. So when they banned it, uh, because they said there was a, a, a stereotype that they, they didn't appreciate or whatever regarding um, the account of Lao going to Hong Kong. So when they banned it, I guess uh, Warner Brothers didn't feel the need to create Mandarin subtitles. So I, using VLC player, played the film, but I had to get uh, subtitles from trusted sources. And unfortunately, some of them are fan-made, and they're not uh, the official ones. So there wasn't translating correctly, different dialects and this and that. So they couldn't get into the second film, unfortunately, because there just weren't any properly approved Mandarin subtitles. And I could tell that that something was a little off. But they didn't tell me until like after the film and the two and a half hours or two hours and 40 minutes later. They're like, yeah, we didn't really like this one. So I talked to my wife. It's like, oh, yeah, the subtitles were wrong. Like, oh, that was a waste of time. But at least there was uh, mm. I, 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 they, we didn't have that issue with the Dark Knight Rises. But all that is to say is that a lot of the stuff is derived from uh, panels. There's some things that can only be told through that medium, uh, an animation medium. Um, and it's with with Splat Rabbit. It's, at first, when I, got, I first introduced because of our talk first, I, I immediately knew like, oh, here's a brother in Christ. So uh, he's someone that's outspoken. I just wasn't sure what your what your comic strip was about. So when I tuned in, um, I thought, oh, this is more on the political side because it was Splat begging May not to leave.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, was, that was a big one. John Doyle shared that one else, so it got it got a lot of traction. So like, yeah,
0: that was yeah. When I saw it like. Oh yeah, I know exactly what that means. It's so like also there's a political strip. So then when I uh, start tuning in, I started the other the other panels uh, of the continuation of the story. i like, oh, this isn't political. Um, it has a lot more Christian overtone, overtly overtone, unabashedly overtone. And and it's like, okay. So I could see where 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 this is going on and where it's, it's also coming from, um, because someone that has that passion uh, for Christ, what he's done for you and how you're uh, challenging that to the world and literally uh, spreading the gospel through a, a different uh, means and medium uh, and, and bite-sized uh, portions, too, especially with attention spans being so small. So when I saw that, okay, so this it isn't political. Like I thought it was cut. thought going to be like a Ben Garrison cartoon, which is political caricatures and things like that. Okay. Uh, like those are, there's a ton of those. So I yeah. thought this is, this is unique. Uh, Cause the one there, there is a moment where there was like social commentary, if you will, the part where splat goes to talk to Bugs Bunny and the reactions in the comments were, Oh, why did you do this? Does this really happen? And like, yes, it did. It did. <laughs> uh, and, it's, it's sometimes life imitates art, but it, it, and in those things, uh, it speaks a volume because it's in a way like we can't physically go to Bugs Bunny and complain, but right. Splat was speaking for the lot of us like, dude, how could you do this to us? You know, it, it, it really <laughs> yeah. resonated and it resonated so much that it shocked people. They didn't believe that was, that was actually true until you shared the, the link.
1: Yeah. No, people, you know, they're they're slowly taking over everything you know there are certain things that you thought would not get touched and certain things that you still might think might not ever be touched but you never know because the way that things are going in this world today they want everybody on their side and i think that in a lot of ways their recent efforts to push harder is revealing that more people do not want to see it as evidenced by Lightyear, you know flopping and how thor love and thunder you know thor made all right money but not nearly as big a bank as the previous thor entries or previous marvel entries did it's kind of disappointing in that regard and then um you know they they just with the whole bros movie thing with billy eichner going on a tangent talking about how it's it's homophobes fault that uh that bros didn't do as good as it should have done like people don't want to see all this leftist nonsense just crammed and forced into everything number 1 they're not a big sect of the population so this representation game that you're trying to play doesn't work because you're representing less than 4% of the population and even less when you start getting into the more fringe elements of the alphabet mafia so nobody wants to see this and then on top of that you know you when you're you know, trying to make something that embellishes your side of the aisle while at the same time trying to create something fun, I think people, you know, recognize that. And so that's that's kind of my, I guess, my long game in that regard is just to keep putting it out because really that's what it is. I, I love making this comic. It's, you know, it's one of my great joys in life. And so if it does, you know, really catch on and we're able to do something with it, then that's great. But if nothing else, I, I've been able to, you know, the Holy Spirit gave me, I should say, an idea where I'm able to embolden proper values, things that people actually want to hear and see echoed and, you know, reverberated across the spectrum, shifting the Overton window. Not that flat shifting the Overton window, but perhaps being a step towards shifting it a little bit more uh, to the right. That's um, that's what we're here to do. But it's interesting what you said about um, animation and the whole Batman thing and your parents, because that's what I tell people all the time. Uh that's why I love cartoons so much, because I think really the answer to that, you know, sort of questioning, like, well, how come everybody wants to get down cartoons and yet everybody loves these like cartoon, these Batman movies and everything like that. And I think it's simply because we, we do relate to it more because everything is so, you know flanderized and so exaggerated in a cartoon we're able to relate to it more you ever notice how when you see people get those caricatures at like the fairs and the boardwalks that somehow the drawing looks more like them than they actually do in real life (laughs) it's because you're taking those features on them that are special and exaggerating them to a point where it becomes more like that person than it is and it's the same thing with storytelling you know we can relate to characters more in animation versus um in a live action setting because, you know, our brains gravitate towards that, you know, that exaggerated style more so than it does something that we could just see um, in our day-to-day walks. So I think that that's where that all comes from because, you know, even those old people that are like, oh, we can't stand cartoons, cartoons are for kids. You know, we don't want to see that baby stuff. You know, they could still remember their old Huckleberry Hound and, and Yogi Bear cartoons like they were yesterday. You know, they remember all that old stuff. They remember Batman and Scooby-Doo, just like the kids today are going to remember things like uh, Steven Universe, Adventure Time, um, whatever they got going on, Nickelodeon. I don't keep up with the cartoons anymore. But, like, you know, the kids that grow up with the cartoons now are going to remember them later. So yeah. that's uh, that's kind of, I guess, at the intersection where I meet, where um, we're trying to give people more animated, more exaggerated content, but that speaks to an area that doesn't get nearly as much attention in the media.
0: Yeah and while we're still speaking I pulled up uh, your Instagram for people to have an idea of what your your comics look like because they're, they're very bold or colorful um, in your face in a way uh, and the plotting the pacing I, I, the only gripe I have with some panels like ah that's that's the last slide. <laughs> <laughs> normally you don't, you don't swipe all the you don't want to swipe like oh, I gotta swipe through all these like this one's like oh wait that's the last one so, like you want to read more and that's actually a really good thing because it's like you're doing something right you're tapping into something that's great and it's telling a story that, that's engaging uh, and people are really interested in. especially like you said you had your panels 90 to 100 basically done and ready to go and that is like the itch that people have it's like oh man where is this going it's like the episode on Netflix ended like, next! You know, it's like, that's what they were hoping for. But it was like, oh, you got to wait. And right. the, it built the anticipation. That was actually a good thing. Uh, it, you don't have to binge everything all at once. Uh, but uh, that built anticipation. And uh, I, let, me, let me scroll down just a little bit here to see. Um, this, you have a, a sketch here. So is this what it looks like before it becomes, um, like, colorized?
1: Right. That's what they look like. Now that's kind of got some edits on it to kind of make it look a little more sketchy because I was doing a take on me uh, style video type thing there. But yeah, that's generally how the sketches look in the sketchbook before they actually get uh, rendered in full digital. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I know this is political. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Some are political, some are not. You know, you got a mixed bag there, different things.
0: There, there is a point that uh, that I want to get back to before before getting there. Um, Well, actually, no. I'm just going to segue to that. So this uh, second shelf here, since we're getting to know each other, um, this is for what I call the critic corner. The critic corner. I used to do an amateur movie blog from 2003 to 2009. Took a bit of a hiatus. Did introduce as a segment, um, as I did. What is called the newsreel? The newsreel, because I wasn't able to do uh, original news content anymore. I was getting busier in life. I had more time when I was in college and university to be able yeah. to keep up. And then, and then Twitter was, oh, became a thing, so it became easier for me just to blog my thoughts, m- microblog my thoughts on Twitter, than it was um, having to do with my blog. So it, it was easier for me to do that to post the news there instead of trying to create a whole blog post and throw it out and, and publish it to my blogger. Uh, so, I took the time to create uh, opinion editorials um, every now and then. But then, every now and then, like, you know what? I did enjoy or had some gripes with certain movie or TV show. So, I did still have some commentary because you couldn't take that love and affinity for uh, certain content that uh, out of me, even though I wasn't actively promoted anymore. So, the highlight of my career was uh, 2008. Yes, and I call it a career. Uh, 2008, because I was part of the, <laughs> yeah. the viral campaign for the fans uh, with Warner Brothers. And that was for the Dark Knight. So I'm the probably the biggest Batman fan you'll ever meet. Um, actually, I am Batman, but don't tell anybody. So whoa. The thing is, <laughs> so when I was a part of that, uh, when I, I tell you the first time we saw, um, because I have memorabilia from the film. I have a copy of the Gotham Times, the first edition, um, that was used prop of the film, and hey. uh, we got the the digital images first of Heath Ledger coming off the the makeup chair, like when I saw like. People are going to be blown away. Um, And as a a reward for my participation, uh, Warner Brothers invited me. They didn't have me set an NDA, so that was good. Um, I was invited to Universal City Walk for a private screening of The Dark Knight. So I was among the first in the world, if not the first, to have a review of The Dark Knight. Wow. It was the biggest traction on my site at the time. And
1: that's if, crazy, like,
0: dude. If I retire, there's the best way to retire. I mean, it's 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 a lifelong dream. It was an outstanding and an amazing experience. Um, as, I, I still did uh, a few things here and there. The last thing, Warner Bros. invited me to was the second Hobbit movie. Um, I signed an NDA because they didn't want that uh, anymore. I like you can't review this, <laughs> so like, okay, but they still <laughs> wanted the they, they still wanted that like that sound bite. So I was honest, I'm like it was better than the first. That's not saying much because I hated the first. <laughs> I didn't I don't like comic <laughs> movies, but I was still honest. It was better than the first. That's not saying much. Though. <laughs> but but in that it's and here's how I that's a little bit of history about me and and because uh, I have that as a background. I'm also uh, an author over here on, on this shelf. Not the Ecclesiastes book, but next to it are my published works. I'm going to post my third novel here by the end of the year. Possibly two two books by the end of the year. So I am wow. Uh, an artist, in that sense, I've created a bunch of stories and characters, and I am working on my own um, series of books. That I said I hope I can bring out the first book by the time my daughter graduates from 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 high school, and I'm talking about like still nine more years to go just to publish my first book. That's how much work has is going into it. I've already worked on it since 2006, so that's how much work has poured into this thing. Wow! So I have that's my background in art. And my my popular series right now is called "The Many Misadventures of Enoch Bellagio." Um, that's Enoch
1: Bellagio—that's such a name. I like
0: that. Yeah, I came up with that with my wife. So like you know, I wanted Enoch because I could play off with the name. Uh, Enoch Walk with God. I could use. I could do so many puns with his name, uh, and then uh, my. But I, I, I need a, a Spanish or, or a European sounding name, but it doesn't really make uh, a, a unique one. My, my wife said, "Why not Bellagio?" I, like, I, could, I could make that work so
1: Enoch Bellagio. Getting- that is such a bar like, i I'm stuck on this name that's such a good <laughs> name for a character wow where can we go to read more about Enoch Bellagio
0: Amazon Kindle and print so that's where you can definitely get it as a matter of fact here's book one this one's <laughs> called finding love but not really so huh. it's, a, it's a romantic comedy series um the second book to that is uh there and back again not a hobbit's tale so
1: it's called not a hobbit's
0: tale not a hobbit's tale (laughs) that's funny yeah so the third book um the official title now is called i know where i am i've been lost here before so the whole thing is um it's a in a way it's a retelling of of my romantic life or the lack thereof and being bullied in high school and oh, getting wow. serious with Christ. And okay. I, people that realize that background, because I had private readers on my first manuscript, like, guys, I never, I never done a, a book to publish. So um, I don't know how to do this. Can you guys read as I, as I complete the chapters? My intention was to complete the big, fat novel first before putting it out there. But the, just like the reaction of your fans from, from panels 90 to 100, and they wanted more and more and more, that became the, the, the catalyst for, like, okay, I'm going to break this up into books then not just one big fat novel. I'll break it up into books. And I published the first one. And I was like, when's the next one coming out? And like, well, oh, crap. Now I got to do the next one. <laughs> so like, oh, I didn't think I was going to do the next one. So now I've, it's been a couple of years and I'm overdue for the third one because I got, then I, I redid the show. What you see now is the completely redone show. Um, yeah. From the time of the news, real critic corner stuff. So that took on life of its own. And in a, in a way, uh, those that, that knew me best, they would sometimes message me uh, or call me and say, Hey, I just finished this one segment in the book. Did this really happen? Uh, and that became a very common thing because some of those that grew up with me were shocked by what they read. It's like, But how would you include such dark material in a so called romantic comedy? Um, I was inspired by Korean drama that had dark elements to it. it say, Hey, look, so I can use this avenue to pique mm. interest in people. And a lot of people started knowing more about me and my life by what I'm telling through this character, Enoch Bellagio. I can, I can project my experiences onto this character. Some of them are a different timeline in a way because it didn't happen at that age or that stage, but that's fine because it's for the reader to grow with the character and see where this is going. So the catharsis is in, in book three to finish the first arc. This whole thing started with me just trying to tell the story of how I met my wife. But then I told my wife, but you don't know everything that led up to me finally meeting you, that prepared me, how God prepared me to receive you and you to receive me. And that would make me go backwards in time to pick a moment in time that I'm going to start from here as my starting off point to get to that uh, meeting her. So so arc one is really Enoch Bellagio coming into his own. And there's a lot of details that I don't want to spoil for anybody so um, they can definitely check it out uh, in, in fact uh, once we wrap this recording I have to send you book one so we'll we'll arrange how I can get that over to you okay so
1: once uh, once we wrap but yeah <laughs> very cool I'm excited to read it about Enoch Bellagio yeah. awesome.
0: so here so here comes the the point that I said I wanted to circle back to you okay. said that conservatives. We're not being creative. We're not creative enough, or they weren't jumping onto it. The very few people can can mention uh, maybe cartoons or Christian shows they might have grew up in that were of of a high production value. I would rank VeggieTales among those. They were among the first to try their hands at 3D animation, but before that, there was a show called McGee and Me that was from the late 80s from Focus on the Family.
1: I remember um, McGee and Me.
0: Yeah. Did you ever hear of the Last Chance Detectives?
1: The Last Chance Detectives. I want to say that sounds familiar, but I can't really put a, a face to it.
0: Group of kids living in New Mexico solving mysteries. So there's three mini films made about that. Those are cinema production uh, uh, vehicles. But they only made three. And I, I don't know if that was intentional, but uh, if like they could have told more. Um, but they were excellent works. But I those are the only ones I could point to. Maybe... In español, would be Super Libro, the Super Book, because it was um, on Prime now. They have Super Book, but it, it's missing the charm that the animation had. It, it was uh, it looks like it was very heavily anime influenced, despite the fact that it is predominantly Latin American. Um, telling yeah. uh, telling time traveling books, and of course, go before that, Hanna Barbera cartoons. Yes, the same ones that the Flintstones, the Jetsons. They did uh, the greatest stories ever told um, with characters that are traveling through through this time warp and visiting biblical eras where has it all gone i don't know where did we lose sight of all this because when we finally get a christian product instead of going to support the christian product we have uh the collective Christendom judging the product well that's not biblically accurate they didn't do this or they didn't do that oh no 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 no. uh jesus would never have been there the the latest one would be the chosen the chosen is is a Kickstarter campaign, so to speak, that just blew up. And it, it came at the right time. I didn't jump on it immediately because of Dallas Jenkins, the showrunner and executive producer. Um, he said some things that I didn't like, and it wasn't in reference to his show. It was in reference to a show that I loved. I love <laughs> AD The Bible Continues, or AD The Series is, as it's renamed. Many people don't know that one as the follow-up to um, – or i want to see the follow-up because not really the follow-up to the bible series that came out on the history channel that was a massive hit uh, you know, I, I, know think,
1: I think i remember watching this the ad the bible continues back in the day i think i actually remember tuning in for that one
0: yeah, yeah that was on NBC it was for broadcast television and, I'm that's shocked what, and that and it
1: was i remember that now because it was so crazy that nbc was like producing this at this time like it was like wow nbc is really producing this series and everybody He's... i i remember this one that's crazy
0: a hundred yeah. million dollars on that show, a hundred yeah. million dollars, and it shows the production values are the most expensive I've ever seen of of any Christian television programming up to that point. And that, yeah. and not just that, NBC actually did like kind of the Walking Dead had the Talking Dead show afterwards. They uh-huh. did something called uh, um a talk uh, Beyond AD. I actually showed up for the last taping of that in around Six Flags for those uh, familiar uh, Valencia, California, North. Um, just the north side of SoCal uh, here in California. Well, there were so many people tearing apart ADs. Like, oh, no, it's, uh, um, it's not entirely biblical accurate. And that's like they're not return- – look, if you want the, the Bible used – like the book of Acts, for example. You want the book of Acts used as a script, it's been done before. The, it's called the book of Acts. And they did a follow-up to that called The Book of Matthew. These productions were done in the 80s and early 90s. They're very well done by, yeah. uh, by uh, prominent Christian actors of the time. But now it, it's now. And A.D., the, uh, the, Bible, uh, the Bible Continues, I think it was improperly named and marketed because it was marketed as The Bible Continues, but not really since you technically finished the Bible series in the show. The, uh, for 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 history channel what what they failed to tell was that this was the story of, of from the disciples perspective
1: yeah after uh, Jesus after Jesus gets arrested yes, so we're yeah. seeing
0: everything through the eyes of the disciples in particular we're seeing it through Peter and John uh Mary Magdalene right. later when we're introduced to Saul of Tarshish my brother-in-law was not a believer at the time and he ended up watching that show. So when he saw this guy already persecuting them, all of Tarshish, he did not know what was coming next. So when the episode after that was called The Road to Damascus, he thought, <laughs> oh, my goodness, Jesus is going to confront this guy. It's like, oh, snap. Jesus is, is going to tear him a new one or, or evaporate him. And then next thing I was like, wait, what happened? <laughs> it's he like Jesus him? is going to use this guy? What? It, he couldn't grasp that. The Holy Spirit
1: was was
0: moving behind that show. There's three crucial elements in that that left me, that moved me to tears because it was so powerful. It wasn't, like, if I have one major grip about the show, it's, well, two major grips. One is that they took Stephen, and instead of having this wise senior man that everyone respected, even the Sadducees and Pharisees, they made him into a brash young firebrand that went to confront the Sanhedrin. Like um no, but still, the stoning of Stephen is still shocking and a gut punch. So the impact's still there. The downside is it, they make it look like it was some young kid that was just waiting in over his head talking back to the to the leaders when it wasn't. Yeah. It was one of them chosen yeah. by the Spirit to replace Judas to do that.
1: Which and is, man, what, what a powerful, what a powerful! I'm sorry to stop you there, but I, I every time I hear about Stephen, like I get chills, man because his testimony when you actually read in the Bible and I highly encourage anybody listening to this to go and read the story this man went all the way from the beginning and quoted from Adam through Abraham Moses the major prophets everything up to that point and told them who Jesus was and matter of fact actually if if I could I don't have my Bible near me right now from where I'm sitting but if I remember correctly and Lord you know hopefully I'm I'm recounting correctly may your Holy Spirit lead me here He doesn't even, like, he doesn't, like, get stoned. Like, they were listening to his testimony up until he looked up and saw Jesus from the heavens and called to him, sitting at the right hand of God. That was the moment where they turned towards him and picked up the stones. It was like, Uh,
0: Exactly.
1: They were upset at him. But when he said,
0: I see... I, I see Christ sitting at the the, the right hand of the throne of God. It's like, oh, that's it. We're stoning. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. It's always – and that's the other thing. I think you mentioned that you kind of leaned into it earlier, and I forgot to pick back up on it. But a lot of people don't pick that up, that when Jesus called himself the son of God, the Pharisees understood exactly what he was talking about. Whenever he refers to himself as the son of God, to be the son of something is to be like that thing. So, for him to be the Son of God, he was as unto God, and that's why the Pharisees were punishing him because he was the Messiah in front of their faces, and they were looking for somebody else. they were like this "This guy cannot be it. He simply cannot be it. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? you know like they they were not willing to hear him out they were they they studied this text. this is why religiosity is so you gotta kind of you gotta be led by the spirit. if you let your religiosity get to you you are going to miss miracles and miss opportunities right in front of your face. We have to be plugged into the spirit of God that he left for us in his absence until he comes back.
0: Absolutely. And to hammer that point, that's what A.D. was showing because it's it's telling the story of the time of Christ through three different lenses. From Pontius Pilate, who was trying to contain the powder keg that was happening in Judea at the time and then just goes kaboom. Dorne, mm-hmm. uh, with with Christ's uh, crucifixion and subsequent uh, murder, mm-hmm. and also from Caiaphas, the high priest, and seeing how he's trying to hold the peace, also and having to to break certain rules, like to have the, the trial in the dead of night and things like that, because of how many Jews have already been killed through uprisings because they think the Messiah has showed up and thereby throwing into a wrench, this whole thing, these, these illiterate, uneducated people saying, yes, Jesus is the son of God. And, uh, he's here to help us and lead us to, uh, um, uh, he is King. And, Will free us it's like wait a minute you're gonna start a rebellion you're getting all these people riled up and and it's showing you from that perspective a very violent time because i'm shocked that that was broadcast television ad because it was very grossly violent in particular an execution scene towards the latter end of the of the season i'm like holy smokes this was tv man i thought nbc's heroes was was violent this is this took the cake and that's why some Christians abandoned the show. So this show is just gratuitous with this violence. They're just trying to compete against Game of Thrones. It's like, do you not realize that the time was already violent enough?
1: To, do you not it, realize, did they not realize that the times are violent now? You know, just I because know. We, we see glimpses of it here in America because we're, we, we you know, we have a civilized backbone. There's some sort of structure here. But when you go into these other places, these third world countries and everything like that, you, you see the real. I mean, just look at what they did to that girl. I mean... Folks have their rules, they have their principalities, they have all the stuff set up, and if you don't step in line, you will be beaten, you will be tortured, you will be jailed, you will be this, you'll be killed, you know, and people don't realize that this is how it goes, we've been so coddled in the modern day, um, and so like, desensitized to like movie level violence, but at the same time, not plugged in enough that this, that this could be real, that this could be actually happening in a less civilized society. Like people take, People are taking all this for granted, but really the main thing is that people need to be plugged into Christ because we may see a time like that come back because with the things that they are doing and the things that they have planned for us with AI and transhumanism and uh, these world banks and these uh, countries trying to come up with their own uh, cryptocurrencies and stuff, it's just to get us into this beast system. It's to get us all plugged in, and that's sort of the things that we need to be uh you know, touching on more, it's it's harder to grasp because reality is stranger than fiction. These folks want to live in a, in a clouded time where they don't have to really put that much thought into what they're going to have to do because life is tough. Life wears down on you. You don't want to think that the the, the threat of uh, these elites, you know, in the background, but it's there. And it's only by the peace of God that comes from trusting in him and trusting in the spirit and being reliant on God and in God. That's the only way we're going to uh, make it through it. And that's why we have to, uh, we have to let the people know we have to spread the gospel we have to talk about biblical things we have to keep our mind on noble things the word tells us this and um that that's what we uh we have to do you and me as content creators and hopefully to inspire other people to uh do more of that as well maybe not as uh, content creators but definitely in their spheres of influence especially families No,
0: absolutely uh, <laughs> and it's, this whole thing about like uh, i guess trying to live beyond the, the physical Body, but still present here on Earth in a way, even if it's in the digital sphere or metaverse, so to speak. Uh, he who tries to hold on to his life shall lose it. <laughs> Maybe they missed that one. <laughs> yeah,
1: but it's yeah, what you see. A little bit.
0: Yeah, right. It's like, man, you're really trying to hold on to to that. Um, there's this, uh, this. I love that phrase. I think it's highly underrated because it's spoken so quietly in the first film, Jurassic Park. The only Jurassic Park film that's good, actually. So let's just
1: call it. The only <laughs> yeah, you're right. Park. You're right. Um, but
0: it's when, when Ian Malcolm says. God creates dinosaurs, God destroys dinosaurs, God creates man, man destroys God, man creates dinosaurs, because man is desperately trying to be God. It's like, dude, the philosophy just in that phrase, like, wow, wow, My, I don't know if Michael uh, Kretschton, who wrote the, the story, included that in his novel, or if some um, adapter of the screenplay decided to throw it in. I, I don't know, I haven't the book, but um, that is such a poignant phrase that speaks to exactly to what's going on now. Yeah, because it's like what—that's why AI is, is such. It's the only thing that man can point to and say that I
1: created that. Yeah, and, like, and Ian, uh, Ian Mal- I'm, so, I'm I'm sorry to kind of pop in <laughs> here, but Ian Malcolm was like has so many quotable moments. I mean, the part where he says something to the effect of "But you you created this, and before you even knew what you had, you you, you slapped it on T-shirts and lunch boxes and, and marketed it to the people. You know, before you even had it, uh." up and going and that's another thing with this whole ai rollout and metas rollout and everything like that it's like you you have no idea well and maybe they have an idea maybe that's exactly what it is like he he's saying you have no idea but really they they know exactly what it is that they're doing and my other favorite one that i quote from all the time specifically when i refer to like the holy spirit is just what he talks about when the dinosaurs go haywire where he just goes uh uh life uh finds a way i mean (laughs) that's that's (laughs) But that's how the spirit works. You know, though the elite and though people would try to tear God away and live by their own intuition and live for their own comfort and joy and bliss and everything like that, the Holy Spirit has a way of revealing itself to people. The Holy Spirit has a way of teaching people things, of warning people of things, of giving them visions and grand utterances and ideas and stuff. Uh, The Holy Spirit finds a way, and in that way is life. And so uh, life finds a way. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
0: Um, and to put a and to put a cap a little bit on the Christian content creation, the support that the chosen has received and the, I think there's been a little bit of a concern that there hasn't been a season three yet but uh, Dallas Jenkins himself said, look the the weather I don't know what weather but uh, the weather there were fires or something like that that were making it really difficult to to film um, but they they did finish filming during editing right now. Uh, I think the show is supposed to release next month or maybe even this month for season three it's highly anticipated the thing is, Remember, I said that I was offended by Dallas Jenkins because he attacked one of my favorite biblical uh, shows. Well, he came under fire for some things that he said. He said it was a hill to die on. Like, because for me, when I saw that Angel Studios partnered up with The Chosen after season one, too, to kind of like give it a boost, I'm like, wait, but Angel Studios is uh, that's from the the Mormon Church, the the, the Church of Jesus Christ Latter Day Saints. So, are they letting you borrow the Jerusalem set? Because when I saw, I finally watched the show. I'm like, "Hey, this is actually pretty good." So then I saw season two, and like, "Wow, this is really, really good." Then I like, wait a minute. Where did you film this? This is the Utah. Don't tell me this is the Mormon uh, thing. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I got no issues with the uh, Mormons. Then you borrow their things, but then the interview came out of how much the Mormons were actually involved in the production of this thing, and hmm. for Dallas Jenkins to say that. uh that we all believe in the same Christ, like, oh no, we don't. No, yeah. no, 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 we don't.
1: Yeah. Dude, this is a stupid <laughs> stuff.
0: Because one of the big issues that some um some on the Christian uh leadership were, ha- were having with the chosen itself was yeah, you're making you're making Jesus fiction. Uh because technically you admittedly you are, and yeah, you, you're making Jesus, yeah. What would Jesus do? And I got no no true issue with that unless unless people are taking the chosen as gospel, and are more moved by the chosen than they are by the text that is derived from, and that is a, a take that I actually responded to. There's a there's a channel called The Wretched with Tom Friel. He did a, a take on this recently. He's t- he's in several takes. I responded to, it to to I did an essay as a response to that just a few weeks ago, um, and it, it, it showed I was more in agreement with. Um, well, what Tom Friel was saying that it's very dangerous that the chosen can be heresy. But I also said, as, so long as it's acknowledged that it's artistic license, uh, that's where I hope people could take it from. Otherwise, we've got to toss out almost every single um, like fiction book from the Christian bookstores. Because then if we can't do anything of the time that borrows Jesus in a way, then we got to take it out. You know, it's, uh, it's so... Right. It's- I was trying to draw a line, but therein goes my point that I do understand. I do understand some apprehension from Christian and from Christians to support a work. However, when there is a work that we can get behind of like some people have their issues with passion of the Christ, just that like they have the issues with A.D. The Bible continues without ever having seen it. And they only rely on mainstream media's discussion of it to make a judgment call on it. Instead of experiencing it for themselves. And it says, is this rooted? In, if you're going to judge it as a theology, are you going to just go and say, is this biblically based? Or is this a complete perversion of the word? And A.D. isn't. Neither was the Passion of the Christ. It had some Catholic influences, to be sure. But other than that, it didn't. To which I would then venture, and here's a little bit of pushback on, on yours. Some of that criticism that my, you might have uh, received. Do have some people found Splat Rabbit to be a little too uh, uh violent or a little too um, raw uh, f- for for the digestion?
1: There have been people that have cited my uh, use of cartoon violence and, and have tried to attach uh, nefarious narratives to it, mostly from the liberal camp. Um, back when, especially when I first started implementing it, I think it was around the time where uh. Uh, Kentaji Brown was uh, Jackson was being put up for the uh, Supreme Court. Um, I had a lot of people come by and were just like, "Oh, look, this is obviously a comic to contain your your murder fantasies because you want people on the uh, other side to die," you know. And that and that's uh, something that they put on anybody who's right of Hillary Clinton. I mean, anything that they do is violence. Anything that they say is is a dog whistle calling the violence, the the white supremacist mob, and everything like that. Um, not too much pushback from Christians, but at the same time, I, I, I see what you're saying with the pushback from A D, with the pushback from the chosen, um, really with anything uh that involves Christianity, you're going you're going to get some pushback from people as to your methods and, and the things that you say. I think the important thing that people, both creators and the audience have to realize is that At the end of the day, the responsibility lies on each of us as followers of Christ to know the word, to have a relationship with God and to be able to live on that. Not on what the Chosen is saying, not on what Splat Rabbit is saying, not on what VeggieTales has said, because Newsflash, these, these are stories that are based on the Bible and have some sort of biblical influence. But at the end of the day, they are stories and stories have to have. Certain amounts of padding, certain amount of unique elements in order in order to go out. As long as it's not straight up like blasphemy, as long as you're not like nefarious in your attempts, which you know, them receiving that much funding from the LDS, you know it's it's a, it's a little bit eyebrow raising. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you look at the finished work. And you got to judge it for what it is. Is this going too far? Is this blasphemous? Is is, is it this? Is it that? I don't think that any of those works are um, inherently blasphemous. And I think that beyond that, you don't need to be you don't need to have that religious religiosity whenever you're judging these works. You need to just see what they're trying to say. And then how does that measure up with the Bible? If it's a good representation of the Bible, then we're good. If it's blasphemous, if it's kind of off-putting, you know, then yeah, of course. And and these creators should want to hear that criticism because you want to lead people down a good path. Um, but at the end of the day, these are stories. These are stories. This is uh, ways to uh, grab people. And it's the same thing that I've talked about at length. I'm trying to figure out a way to kind of condense this without going on a, on a big, giant rant, But um. I'll say I'll say this to kind of to basically close it out. I used to have beef with uh with big mega church pastors, your Stephen Furtick, your Mike Todd's, and everything like that. And I do think that some of their teaching is flat out dangerous. But I do think that there's a place for a, a Furtick or a Mike Todd. I think that their their churches having the influence that they have allows people that normally wouldn't have ever encountered the gospel to hear that on some level and Again, I say all the time that church is just a building. We are the bodies of Christ, us individually, those that have accepted Christ as Savior. We have to have that responsibility to go through and pursue God for ourselves, not because of what Furtick said, not because of what an actual good pastor said, but because of what the Word says and what that Word means. You know, what that Word means, what was Jesus' original interpretation, what did God mean by this, what was being exhibited here. Um, There's a place for people who are opening up the gospel for an audience that normally wouldn't. Uh, But that person has a responsibility to make sure that they're learning as well, essentially is what I'm saying.
0: Yeah. And you, this is actually the thought that I wanted uh, to close us out on because you actually brought up first. I'm glad we're in sync here because (laughs) I too have issues with megachurches. I'm not as kind as you are with uh, uh, just now. Um,
1: I, I used to not be. I, I used to say shut them <laughs> all down, but like at the same time, I've, I've come to realize, but I I, I want to hear you what you're going to say about it.
0: Yeah. Trevor, Um, last year, Trevor uh, is an uh, um, uh, acquaintance of ours, a buddy, that uh, we come to know through, through uh, how we cross paths here through the internet, but Trevor was the first one that had reached out to me. Well, the first one I accepted to uh, do a collab with, and um, he identified himself at the time as a third wave uh, atheist, but someone on pursuit of the truth. So, like, interesting. So he he brought me on his program after filming mine and asked me a question. And this was actually on my Instagram somewhere. So that can the collective body of, the, of Christendom and Catholicism come together to basically create an anti-CRT coalition to push back against CRT? And I simply responded and said, no. He's like, oh, like, why? Because in some respects, the church is responsible for this. Because mm. a lot of churches, particularly the mega churches, are pushing a lot of these very things that uh, as he's he's calling out as issues. They are at the forefront of some of these things. When Gene Robinson was the first openly gay bishop in the United Methodist, or Baptist, I forget, one of the two. No, uh, it's... You know, it's where was, where was the pushback? It was like, no, we're becoming more inclusive and accepting. Uh, there's a church not too far from where I am. I don't want to say exactly where I am, but where I am, um, who in this downtown city neighboring to mine proudly puts on their, on their church uh, logo, it's a rainbow because they are inclusive and welcoming, they say. And that's twisting what Christ said: "Come, just as you are." Because oh yeah, you know Jesus will remember Jesus with the homeless, Jesus with the prostitutes. Yeah, at no point did He condone their lifestyle. He told them to go and sin no more. But that's not what they're saying. They're right. now, now, This is where or Jesus' words come: like, in the end times there will be those that come in My name and say, "Hey Lord, Lord, we cast out demons in Your name. We 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 heal people. Uh, you know, we did all these in Your name," and He'll say, "Get away! I do not know you," because there is. Uh, there, there is the wolves in sheep's clothing are the church. And some people are more enamored by a charismatic speaker than they are about the God that that person is professing to preach about. So we got to look for, for the, the God behind the man. And if they're not worshiping God, they're worshiping mammon, it's the wrong church. So yes. to an extent, I agree with what you're saying. Because I remember having a hot take uh, a long time ago when, when uh, that movie Jarhead came out and it, and it played the, the music from Kanye West of Jesus walks, and I, I'm i not, I'm an instrumental guy, so I, anything that's that's uh, not classical or symphonic or, or orchestral, I'm against it. Like, I don't care. I don't like it. It's, just, it's not music to me. That doesn't mean I can't yeah. appreciate some of it, but when I heard that, a friend of mine was defending that, Oh, yeah, many people are going to be exposed uh, to, to Christ. I was like, well, I don't think that Kanye is the best avenue to be able to be exposed to Christ in a way because he's not an ambassador for Christ, and then seeing how his life has transformed later on, it's like, okay, that's a little different. So, <laughs> you yeah. so know, so in that I can say yes, but not to the churches that try to maintain a uh, uh, sheepified uh, uh, people that do not branch out to get to know the truth, because those yeah. that are searching the truth, such as Trevor has been on this path, uh, such as uh, someone named named Nate Cap that I had on my show earlier this year in an episode mm-hmm. uh, that I entitled What is Truth? Because we discussed for an hour and a half talking about what truth is from his uh, philosophical and, uh and grounded uh, experience and me coming from the the Christian experience and at the very end almost intersect and I say almost everything you said comes from the Bible that means you're coming here so I'll meet you here where I am you're gonna yes you're past to Christ so that's where I I say I, I agree with um, what you're saying that some people might receive that exposure but it's hoping that the Spirit works in them and illuminates the path for them to get to the truth, even if it's not in that church. It's like yeah, it's not here. I I I there's something more, it's not here, it's missing. Then they go out to search, not to search what, what church is the best fit for me. They like, know where's God calling me? And mm-hmm. they're they're they, they they go after that hunger, and then they finally get fed because when they reach the truth, the truth is free. And that's what we're excited for for them to see and they get to. Uh, And that's where I said that we were kind of both closing on that thought. And uh, I think that's a, that's a great way to close it out. I'll let you have the final say on this one.
1: Yes. And and you're 100% right. And um, that's kind of what I was speaking to specifically. Like if it's one of those churches that bolster, the uh, rainbow stuff and the BLM and the current social mores of the day. No, they're to be avoided at all costs. There, There's no truth in that church because they they're just trying to cash in. They're just trying to be inclusive. And and the gospel isn't always inclusive, as we like to say in our modern vernacular. Um, but, yeah, we, we basically came to the same conclusion uh, as long as they're not full tilt going for inclusivity, you know, that's where my mercy lies. Like if if somebody could go into Elevation Church, hear what Furtick says and where they might not have accepted it um, right then, and maybe Furtick helps them to digest that a little easier, they get that milk, then good. Now, will they be transformed? Did they truly have a a moment with God? Will they go and search for meat? That's, That's my hope that I get from it all. Uh, it doesn't always happen that way, and I think that's the reason why a lot of people want to, you know, shut these people out, and why I wanted to shut them out for so long. But at the same time, you know, I, I I'm I'm a hardened individual. I'm I'm working on a peace at the moment to be able to deal with people more. Because as this grows, I'm hoping to get into more places where I can actually speak to more people, and I need to not be able to be so <laughs> on them. I don't need to pull out any dynamites or bombs like Splatwood in that son. moment, you know. So. That, that that's my whole thing is just, you know, having that peace and being able to give something to them, plant the seeds so that the spirit of God can move because at the end of the day, we don't save anybody ourselves. Anyway, we don't have that power, the Holy spirit, the blood of Jesus is what gets them saved. So that's what we're trying to do here. That's what we're trying to, uh, you know, help advance the gospel, help, um, people to hear a word that they can use and then apply to their lives so that they can be renewed. And, uh, you know, live forever in the uh, loving embrace of the Father, as it were.
0: Amen. Plant the seed, let God do the watering, and everything else. BZ, where can the audience follow you?
1: Yes, sir. You can follow me. Uh, you can follow the the rabbit, Splat Rabbit, at splat.rabbit.art on Instagram. That's the big account. That's where all the comics get posted, pretty much all the reels and the everything else gets posted. We're working on getting some merch and getting the website back into good shape. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Um, you can also follow me. Um, it's I'm trying to not put as much me into it. Obviously, I got my cam off and everything like that. but I do have other accounts, BZ ink and toys. It is on Instagram. Um, it's also on Twitter. I have a, a telegram space, and you can find all that on any of the uh, the channels. so, Send me up there, Splat Rabbit, BZ, and Toys. We're making comics. We're trying to advance the gospel. We're we're dunking on the libs a little bit. It's going to be a fun time. All glory <laughs> to God.
0: Amen. Yeah, the, the left can't meme, so that's why they don't like stuff
1: like yours. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, ladies and gentlemen, those listening on the podcast, you know the drill. All the links will be available on the show notes and copies episode at www.thedrc.gov.com. BZ, thank you so much for being on the program. This was fun. You're on thank the you short list. You're on the short list for a a Christian artist roundtable I'm preparing. Um, it might be the end of this year or it might be the next year, but I'm going to keep you in the loop.
1: Okay, sounds good. I'd be lo- I'd love to be there.
0: All right. Well, that's it. Everyone, see you on the next one. All right. Peace out.